Today is Friday, November 2nd, 2007, and this is Radio Wave. Good evening and welcome to the November 2nd, 2007 edition of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje, and tonight he will be discussing the message given earlier today uh, by Our Lady through Mariana, and we invite you to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come and to anoint this broadcast tonight and to open your heart to the message that Our Lady has for you. And so we now... Great pleasure. We turn this over to a friend of Medjugorje. Well, we want to welcome everybody tonight, and we want to start off, of course, with prayer, uh, which Our Lady asked for us to do always, and especially today. She implored us to do that. And then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Mary, it's a great privilege and a great honor that we are a people who you call us your children, that we can come to you. And be with you, knowing that you're appearing into our age and a time, a time that you said you wish to bring us into a new time, that is something unlike the world has ever experienced before. And so we count our blessings in knowing you and walking beside you and in representing your son Jesus in the world. We ask that you help us and strengthen us. We ask that you give us might, as you've told us to ask for, that you would give us this might. And pray tonight for those who join us from different places, far, far from where we broadcast from, but any place in the world that wishes to reach us. And we give them your message. We ask the Holy Spirit to descend down upon them, that they be open to the Holy Spirit, and hear this prayer. Amen. And Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, the second of the month has turned out to be an exciting part of Medjugorje in the last months. We wasn't getting the regularity out of the messages from Our Lady on the second of the month. Sometimes we'd get something, sometimes we wouldn't. But of late, Our Lady is constantly given a routine that she's followed into in the monthly message of October 2nd, which is a, a, a day that's designated for non-believers. And it's slowly coming to the heart of people who follow that it's just not for non-believers. But I would say that that's not correct, that this is a message for non-believers, and when it doesn't appear to be one for what we would think is a non-believer, we have to look at the non-belief in ourselves. Our Lady has said that there's unbelief. She says the the wars of unbelief in you, your rather your wars of unbelief. So we've been influenced by such a paganistic society and a, and a culture that has dulled sensitivity to who God is, who Christ is, that we're all affected by unbelief. And so our ladies come these 26 years now 
to help us in our unbelief, to help us change and get rid of all unbelief in us so that we have the fullness of God and understanding who she is, God is, the Trinity. And through this, that we might come and transform all of culture. So the messages are for the culturalization, or the messages rather are to be incorporated into the culturalization of society, is, is to be what society is to become. And when we do that, then peace will reign, our problems will go away. Sounds simple, the way I say that, but it is simple. Our lady just come in and said, I want you to live a simple life. And we've complicated things and we're so complex and so advanced in the way we want to approach every subject or issue that it's just really simple. You know, God gave 10 simple commandments. We've got thousands and thousands of laws, laws that we don't even know of. You can get in your car, go down the road, be out 15 minutes and break six laws. Uh, things have gotten so, it's just like in Jesus' days when he described the Pharisees, you know, they, you, you burden the people with the law. You can't even comply with it. And all we need to straighten out our problems is really just to live the commandments. And that sounds like, okay, that'd be easy to do, but it's not. Look what happened while you're sleeping is about how we're not living the commandments, especially one commandment. And again, I won't go into that because we're planning a five day or five night series, uh, November 11th, November 12th through the what? You can talk to the mic, Ray, yes. <laughs> November 12th through the 16th. Monday to Monday through a Friday. So that'll be a two-hour night special. We have guests that's going to be part of the book, and, and uh, we'll go into that as far as our commandments and how we're not living them. And, and the book's shocking. I talked to someone today uh, from Michigan visiting, and he said that um, his father-in-law said that it turned his life upside down. He converted through it. And uh, there's issues in the book that bring up, that are brought up that many people can identify with, and because they see it's tied to what Our Lady's been telling us, then it brings them to Our Lady and brings them to conversion. And so the message of Our Lady are profound in that sense, and it's really our guide in today's society. And as Maria has said, that the messages today, or rather the messages, are for today's man to help him understand the Scriptures. And we say, well, why can't I pick up the Bible and read that? Well, the Bible was wrote by people of a different thinking, a different way of life, a life that we don't have. They didn't have, they, they had structure in life, just the natural uh, events of the day that made them walk. They didn't have walkmans. They didn't have music playing. They had thinking. If they were alone, they thought. There wasn't nothing else left to do. Think, sing, and pray. And so their whole life is structured. They plowed the fields. They went and tractor with a the radio. They, they did this walking behind, seeing the clogs busted up in the field. When they read the scriptures, they got home that night, say, I want to, I want to change your heart as, as the plow busts the clogs of the field. They could relate to that in a higher way and a stronger way than we could. So the scriptures were wrote by, wrote, written by people that can relate to how they lived for centuries that we necessarily can't relate to. It's not that we can't understand what a plow and, and what it does, but when you live something, those words come much more to life. When you read that and then you go at work and work all day on a computer, your your mind is tied up. It's occupied. And, of course, we have to get off work and go do exercises because we don't exercise. Uh, in days of old, people worked during the day, and their mind was free. 
Today we don't work during the day and our mind's occupied. So there's little time to contemplate, which means there's little time to think. And because we don't think, we have our lady coming as doing as Maria says, today's messages, or rather the messages are for today's man and how to understand the scriptures. So Joan's with us in the studio. I'm going to let her read the message today that was given for the October, or rather the November 2nd day of non-believers. And and uh, I want to say some things about this message that may surprise some people. Because uh, on the surface it's one way, but I saw it immediately as another direction. But we'll get into that after we read the message. Our Ladies, November 2nd, 2007 message for non-believers. Dear children, today I call you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and to permit Him to transform you. My children, God is the immeasurable good. And therefore, as a mother, I implore you to pray, 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 fast and hope that it is possible to attain that good, because love is born of that good. The Holy Spirit will reinforce that good in you, and you will be able to call God your Father. Through this exalted love, you will sincerely come to love all people, and through God, consider them brothers and sisters. Thank you. While Our Lady was blessing, she said, On the way on which I lead you to my Son, those who represent Him walk beside me. Well, we had this message, of course, given to Mariana, and uh, we start our day fairly early on the second of the month here at Caritas because the apparitions generally take place around 9 or 10 o'clock there, which puts us anywhere from 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and so we get up so we can have this for you on, online when most people wake up across our land here in the United States. But this message um, that our lady gave today is is um, shows up as this word good. Uh, our lady referencing good four times in here. And of course what is good? We we people spin and spin and try to buy happiness. And you can't do that. Uh, you know, you can't buy joy. You can attempt to, to, to use this as a medicine and people and the consumerism the way it's driven. It doesn't lead to good because good is joy and joy is God. And so our lady in this message is talking about that. And there's a, lot, there's a way we look at society today, a way we look at life. It's not good. Everything's dark. Uh, it, it, it's really a cold society. The heart of man has grown cold. And so we need to really look and focus more on, on good and on God and what he wants to give us. You say, okay, <clears throat> there's not a lot to be positive about. Well, Our Lady knows that. And that's why she said years ago, probably in the 80s, she says, turn every negative into a positive. It's not that things aren't negative, And it's not that things aren't in a sad state. The fact that Our Lady comes for 26 years is a statement. The world is very much in a crisis. And in fact, all the messages in the beginning was about that. Faith is in crisis. She repeatedly said this for the first month or two and into probably the first six months. It's the first word she was saying. So, yes, there is a lot of things that's wrong. Yes, there is a lot of things that's negative. And, and that doesn't mean we ignore that. But what we're to take as Christians, what we're to take as her children, is take those negatives and turn them into a positive. 
and you can see her scold us sometimes in her message, and she does it in a way that I can't do, and most of you can't do. She does it in a way that she can reprimand people and, and us as children, and yet it's so positive. I was with Ivanka, uh, one of the six visionaries one time on her anniversary apparition when she, after 1985, when she no longer saw Our Lady on a daily basis. And Ivanka, during the apparition, I was basically shoulder to shoulder. I was pressed to her because there were so many people in the room. But Ivanka would, would look at Our Lady and she would shrug her, she shrugged her shoulders up and she tilted her head sideways and did her bottom lip a little bit out. And she, I couldn't figure out what she was doing. And then she did it again. And she did it like seven, eight times in a row. And then that period of apparition passed. And only later did I find out that Our Lady was uh, correcting her about something that previous year of she needed correction on. And it didn't devastate uh, Ivanka. But you could tell she was corrected and like, uh-oh, yes, I, I did this or I messed up. And uh, But it was this such a positive way that Our Lady did that. And and uh, on a human level, most of the time, we're never capable of that. And I admit I'm not necessarily that way. But Our Lady brings this, and she highlights this good, this measure of good, an immeasurable good. And who is good but God? There's nothing good you will ever do, because good is a grace, and that comes from God. And you can't create grace. So where does grace come from except from God? And if God's good, then we need to recognize that good and and incorporate that good into our heart. All that I have 
It's dark and it's cold and I can't feel my soul. You are so good. When the world has gone grey and the rain's here to stay, you are still good. So with every breath I take in, I'll tell you I'm grateful again. And the storm may swell even then. What would you do today in the world and the situation we find ourselves in, knowing that uh, so much has happened and so radically the world has changed just in a few years, that if Our Lady wasn't with us, and Our Lady's, you know, pointing us to God the Father in a way that for us to be grateful, she said that if you understood my coming, you would pray unceasingly or rather the gift of my coming. And so we have the gift of Our Lady. And I tell you, I don't know what I would do with the world situation it is now and what is happening in our nation, uh, in, our, in the crisis in the church, if Our Lady wasn't with us. How could we cope with that? And uh, I just thank God that Our Lady is here, that God's so good that he would send us. He's so merciful to give us something that we don't deserve. So with Our Lady's presence, we need to really pay attention to when she gives a message. What does she mean by that, and what does she want us to think about it? And on the surface, we can say, okay, Our, Our Lady gave another message today. This is sweet. This is something she's telling us. Oh, God is good. You know, I want you to be good. I want that love to be in your heart. You know, this. I, I want you through this exalted love to love our people. It's much more than that. And as we talk tonight, I think you'll see a whole other side of this, that, that as always, our ladies' messages go much deeper and are much more profound. And uh, before we go any further, I'd like to get Ruth on the phone. If, in Medjugorje, she can call now, if you'll call in, Ruth. And I think we're going to be taking a break now. But we'll come to you, Ruth, after after this break. This year, why not visit the village that is changing the entire world? Mechagoria. Think about it. 
If you could combine every single event for the past 26 years that occurred in Washington, D.C., New York, Paris, London, and every other place in the world, it would be dwarfed by the event of one single day in Medjugorje. The Blessed Mother, Mary, Mother of Christ, comes to the earth, blesses the whole world with her presence, and speaks to heal a broken world with advising words, which she says are conveyed directly from God. You can be a part of one of the most important events in the history of creation. Pilgrimage to Medjugorje, and you will obtain everything and more of what your heart longs for. Call 205-672-2000, extension 218. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Okay, we're back. And did we get Ruth? Did she call in? Ruth, we're waiting on you to call us, so you can call us, okay? <laughs> I know it's probably 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. So she's on. Ruth, are you there? I'm here. Okay. I didn't know if you could hear me. So how was things in Medjugorje this morning at Mariana's apparition? It was very busy and very crowded, but it was a nice. There were probably, I would say, at least four to 5,000 people that were inside and outside the surrounding building. And, um, you know, what, was, what I've noticed actually in the last couple of uh, apparitions, at least in, because I've been more on the outside, is that the people there tend to be more in a spirit of prayer and preparation. Um, you know, where before there was a lot of talking and that kind of thing, but I think because of uh, the seriousness more of Our Lady's messages and so forth, people tend to be taking the uh, apparitions a little bit more seriously. And so at least where I was uh, outside the building, the people in the surrounding areas were in a very prayerful state uh, and trying to stay focused on uh, preparing for the apparition. Uh, why don't you tell everyone uh, what, what it's like and when people start getting there for Mariana's apparition. It's, um, it's turning more now into a something that's breaking from the normal pattern and really get into a habited way of way LA is coming and people can start planning a trip so more and more people are coming on the second of the month. Mm-hmm. But with that in mind, uh, the time of the apparition and when people start gathering. Well, today, this morning people were gathering uh, at the, um, the gate to go into the building by 4 o'clock. And uh, by 4.30, there were several busloads of people that were being dropped off, and they didn't actually open uh, the gate to go into the building until uh, around 5 o'clock. Um, but probably by 6 o'clock, the building was completely full, and I think there was probably at least 2,000 people, <clears throat> two to 3,000 people within the building uh, by 6 o'clock, and there were people that were beginning to spill out into uh the outside, though, people continued to cram into the building until almost the time of the apparition. And then um, they start singing and praying the rosary probably around 6.30. And so you have from 6.30 until uh, almost 9 o'clock or until uh, Mariana actually has the apparition where there's continuous singing and praying the rosary. Uh, today we prayed the full joyful and luminous mysteries and then 
we prayed uh, the Glorious Mysteries. I think it was in the third decade of the Glorious Mysteries that Our Lady appeared. And so um, Mariana usually shows up today. She was uh, walked in the building about 5 till 9 and, and knelt down immediately and started praying. And um, the apparition uh, began. Our Lady appeared to her at about uh, 9.09 um, today, and then it lasted a little over six minutes. And uh, we were lucky enough, uh, both Joe and I were in positions where we were able to see Mariana during the whole apparition. And um, I think if you saw, you know, the, on the site, you could see some of the pictures that Joe took, which was a real grace where he ended up because people continued to move into the apparition until almost the moment that Our Lady appears. And so a lot of times they crowd in right around Mariana until the last minute. And um, but we were both. Uh, Our Lady put us in a really good position today. So when Mariana, uh, when Our Lady appeared to Mariana, she immediately looked up and spread out her uh, hands uh, like a, almost a welcoming of Our Lady, and she had a real sweet, beautiful smile on her face. And um, she stayed in that position for probably about forty-five seconds or maybe a minute, and then she folded her hands and. During the course of the apparition, she uh, leaned forward probably five or six times, and she got this serious look on her face, kind of her eyebrows crinkled up a little bit like she was listening very intently to Our Lady or Our Lady was speaking to her in maybe a little bit serious uh, terms, but she never had that. You know, there's been times where uh, we've seen her where she's gone through that, where she's had like a horrible look or a frightened look or something like that, and that wasn't the any type of uh, emotions that we saw her express this time. It went from the seriousness to a real sweet smile, uh, you know, teary-eyed and um, uh, prayerful, leaning forward, listening to Our Lady, speaking to her several times. Um, the atmosphere was very quiet. When Our Lady appeared, people immediately were quiet and were in a, a very prayerful state, and... Um, you know, at the end of the apparition, uh, it took Mariana a little bit to get the message written and, you know, to be able to get back up and to leave, but she seemed very joyful this time, smiling, whether sometimes it looks like she's, you know, um, it's hard for her to get that smile on her face when she leaves. And, um, of course, people were very anxious to hear the message uh, that she gave today as well. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Joan. <laughs> Uh, so what was the um, reaction of the uh, of your group that was there? I think you have, what, about a... There's like, uh, there's 15 that are here right now. They've been real good. You know, t- today was their very first day, and they're playing, they, they got in late, and so, uh, um, you know, they immediately didn't care what time they had to get up. They wanted to go and, and, uh, and get there and pray, and and uh, so we uh, wa- we walked out the door um, by four o'clock. Though some of uh, I know Joe had left uh, earlier than that to get there. So um, there was a real um, spirit of anxiousness and and excitement and uh, to be there for a lady. They felt very privileged to know that um, they were present with our lady on uh, one of the second of the month apparitions, which. Uh, has become more and more important, and uh, so it was a real grace. They understood and uh, had a very wonderful day today because we went up Apparition Hill afterwards and uh, this afternoon, and so they were uh, felt very blessed 
to be a part of uh, the apparition and be present with Our Lady. And um, I, when we gave them Our Lady's words, they all took it very quietly and studied it. And, and um, even this evening after dinner, many of them were continuing to look back at the message and to try and take in what Our Lady said and what those words meant to them. This is our second uh, time in Medjugorje where we've designed new cards like we did the Purple Postcards. And for years we've got people lining up after the 25th of the month at the Mission House. And sometimes you can't even get in for hours. It's just so packed with people wanting the keepsake that we give away. Uh, this being the second of the month, or the second time that's given away, I don't think we had it in September. I think this is October or November. Right. Uh, what kind of response are you all getting for people wanting that? Is that coming where people are are ex- realizing this is something that's pattern that's starting to happen now? And- As a matter of fact, they are, and it's funny because they they uh, when I came back because I held back a little bit after the apparition to actually get the message, and um, the guys came back here immediately to get the pictures together, and and uh, and so when I came back. There were already people here waiting, and they were looking for the message in different languages. And so um, they know how quickly we get it out. And so there were many people that were coming by even in different languages that were uh, expecting us to have the message right away um, or hoping that we would have it right away for them. So it's definitely people are coming here knowing that this is the place that they can get the message um, immediately. And so... uh, we had some groups, uh, uh, some priests and so forth that came that were very excited uh, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, receive the message right away. One priest came by, he's French, and he just uh, gave a, um, a homily about, uh, I guess a retreat, um, about, and his whole focus was God the Father. So he couldn't believe it when he got the message, and there were many people in the retreat that came up to him afterwards and said, did you, you know, how did you know Our Lady was going to talk about that? And so he was very excited and was very, uh, felt really uh, blessed to be able to receive Our Lady's message in the French language of what she gave today. Well, you know, in the beginning days, and not even the beginning days, but as late as in the late 80s, often the visionaries would hear, and the people there would hear a message and then the, of the, the priest saying certain things. And the very next day, the message our lady would give would be about everything they covered in their homilies. And so there was a inspiration. There's a strong spirit of inspiration. And that's why people are so uh, moved by the homilies and the sermons that sometimes we post online on Medge because um, they're powerful. Mm-hmm. A priest that may be inspired here is doubly ten times more inspired there. And, of course, that's what I said today is open your heart and permit him, the Holy Spirit, to transform you. And uh, it's easy for a priest to preach there and move hearts. And perhaps he says what he says better than what he normally says, and perhaps we hear better than what we normally hear. But it's a combination of the grace that, that convicts and, and conforms. In fact, I think y'all have, have a couple of homilies y'all have just sent, don't you? Right. Yeah, we uh, we have a couple. We've been trying to accumulate them. I know that we get so many, you know, aren't able to put them on meds right away. But um, there are several, and uh, uh, that have been very, very good. And and uh, when we've approached the priests afterwards, they're very excited about it. And and um, there are some that are actually have, are field angels of ours that uh, from Ireland and so forth that uh, follow meds very closely and and. Um, yeah, they've been very excited about what's on there and, and uh, the possibility of, um, you know, even their homilies uh, 
being able to reach out to more people than uh, who they reach here. So, well, Ruth, what time is it there? <clears throat> I think it's around one thirty in the morning. The time changed here uh, last week, and I know it changes uh, tomorrow there. I don't understand quite how that works. So we're about six hours difference with okay. you right now until yeah, seven. Saturday Let's... night. Well, all right. Well, we thank you for staying up, and we okay. we uh, tell the rest of the community there we praying for them every day. Okay, and group, well, and we're praying for y'all, there. too, and everybody listening to uh, Radio Wave. All right, well, God bless. All right, you too. Good night. Bye-bye. We, uh, of course, are blessed to talk sometimes frequently. In fact, I've been on the phone probably three or four times today. So it gives us a good pulse of what's going on. Being that we live there in Medjugorje, we're able to understand things that perhaps other people don't have the insights or the behind-the-scenes things that uh, people aren't aware of and the contacts that, that God gives by just simply being in that kind of vicinity and and a better better um, view of of things than just looking at it from over in another country or not having that. So it's a blessing for us. And, and uh, one thing I promised a lady years ago in the 80s, that whatever I see, I want to make sure multitudes see. And so we try to share that. And that's why we, we get the, the – we immediately begin to work when we saw Our Lady – coming to some kind of regularity of this this second of the month message that we immediately wanted to to give it as a keepsake because if people get it as a keepsake they take it they meditate on it they think they transform their lives and uh, it was something lacking and, and God showed us he wanted to fill that void and, and it's and it's working the message today though there's a, another angle to this message that uh, really struck me if the first time I read it and We've got to realize the world is in a situation today where we're being assaulted as Christians and on many levels. And that assault, of course, is coming from from immorality. Those immoralities are, are things that go from uh, what some people might see superficial to blatant abominations. Abominations that in the past biblical history were grave enough for God to come and and destroy places, and uh, we're in that situation. And we've got to realize that in the West, there are serious sins that are taking place. They go completely against nature. And when that happens, as it happens with the Israelites, God allows somebody else to rise up and to purify the Israelites. And we got to look at ourselves as Christians as no different. And so. Some of the things happen in the world, the wars and the terrorism, all these things happen. We've got to ask, first of all, why is that happening? What is the, what is the reason that, uh, you know, we got to, as a superpower, can't stop certain things or other people can't stop things? And we've got to realize that, that uh, is it because of our sins? And that question can only be answered by one way, yes. Why? Because history shows that. The Israelites sin. They didn't, their culture deteriorated. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. And God allowed the Syrians to rise up against them. You know, so we blame other people for things sometimes that we're participating or collaborated with or even tolerate that is causing us to, to suffer. So there's much said today about the Muslims. There's much said about what they're doing and, 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 and in no way defending the heinousness of, of the actions. But, you know, we got to go back and ask why that's happening. 
And so this message today is something that I want to go into from that angle because this is definitely a message that pertains to that. Even on the surface, it's sweet. You know, Mariana usually is is somewhat distraught even after apparitions because she sees so many horrible things. And this message to us sounds like it's to us. It doesn't sound like it's to non-believers. But I tell you, this is a non-believer message as much as any message Mariana's given. On the surface, it doesn't appear that way because Our Lady's messages aren't given that way. They're given in a way that speak to us in the present, those things that might lift us up, but also those things that are very, very actionable, very potent to the future that will come to life in new ways, bloom out in new flowers to different people. And this is one of those messages that's, that's very, very profound, very powerful, very hidden in the present, but will be very visible in the future. And that happens with um, so often with Our, our Lady um, that she speaks to us and then later we see something different and then the next year is something different from that. The fact that the Muslims and their view of God is so different from us is is one of the differences. Of course, a lot of the problems the Muslims have with us is is with the spreading of democratization or democracy, the, the spreading of uh, our way also spreads what's coming from the West, which are, are sins that um, they're very angry about and in some ways are, are legitimate. There's the abominable sins that is spreading through Europe, uh, even in our country, that uh, are issues that are very strong and and galvanize them in the ways that the Western culture uh, is evil. And while we may not subscribe to that view in that way, there is some legitimacy to that in the sense that uh, we we have fallen as a people. We have fallen in into ways that are not uh, holy and not godly. And so that's a clash in the sense that their view of God and our view of God is different. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes we tolerate things that we shouldn't be tolerating. There's things that they won't tolerate. But because their view of God is different, they react different than what we might react in a different way. Uh, the, the Muslims' view of God is something that they're is so exalted that they are as nothing. And because they're nothing, they um, see God as, you know, this omni so, so far, they don't see him the way we see him. You know, Our Lady's coming to us to show us a certain thing, uh, to have a relationship with God. This other is more as a subjugation to God. We're subjects to his. And so uh, when we come back, I want to get into this a little bit more about um, what this message does in pertaining to this and helping to explain another side of this message that you'll see a little bit more clearly. As a parent, are you worried about what kind of society your children will live in? Do we really have a choice in the next election? Or do we get to choose what the powers that be give us? No matter how you structure your future, all is at risk. Money won't protect you. Position won't save you. Your children's future is nil. 
our nation must change its direction. But what is stopping it? You are. It all depends on you. If you wonder how can that be, you won't after reading Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping, a couldn't-put-it-down book, thrilling, motivating, edge-of-the-seat reading that will change the way you live and change this nation. Order on MEJ.com or at your local bookstore. Or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. So we're talking about this message being seen in a different light than perhaps people see it out there in the way we pray to really grasp our latest messages and really looking at it in a whole worldview. And uh, we need to back up a little bit to understand Our Lady and what she's doing. She she came to Guadalupe 500 years ago, or over 500 years ago, and in that apparition, she converted over um, 8 million Mexicans in just a few years, or Indians at the time. And through these apparitions, you know, there came a love, and of course, in Mexico that's still there today and vibrant, and it's actually one of the most visited shrines in the world. Uh, millions go there every every year. It's always busy. Feast days, you can't get there. But with this apparition uh, of Guadalupe, it became something that a devotion to Our Lady that carried over and increased her being known and more loved. And, of course, we go from there to Fatima. And in 1917, you know, we got lures, but let's, let's just jump to Fatima. You have the, these apparitions, and uh, actually it wasn't 1917, it was a little bit earlier than that. But in these apparitions, we have Our Lady becoming more known in love. Uh, if you back up a little bit from there and go back to Rudabach Parish where the miraculous medal was given, Our Lady actually said, wear it on your neck. You know, she wanted it to be seen. Why? Because she wanted miracles attached to that. And she wanted people, or rather perhaps we should better say, God wanted people to recognize Mary for who she was and to grow in devotion to her. All that was preparation, even Guadalupe, for Medjugorje today. How is that? Because she had to build up a people, a following, an honor, an honor of the people to be able to lead us to what she's doing at this moment. And so we go from, from Guadalupe uh, to Fatima to what it is Our Lady is doing now to the world and what she calls us to. And when you start adding these things up, it's this way. We got, if you, if if in June, this past June, our lady says God's desires for the conversion of the entire world. How's that going to happen? Well, if you've got a domino that you set up on one side of the table and a domino on the other side of the table and you push the domino over, nothing's going to happen. Because that domino doesn't connect to the next domino. There's no way to knock that down and and touch that. And so Our Lady's building this. The next domino is Guadalupe. The next domino is Fatima. The next domino is things Our Lady's doing in Medjugorje. Uh, other dominoes between that domino and the other, which that far domino is the Muslims. How does Our Lady touch them? Well, Mohammed in his Quran, in the Quran, has uh, the Virgin Mary listed as the greatest woman who ever existed. 
her being was so important that he put it above his own daughter. Mohammed's children all died except one. And that one daughter who lived, her name was Fatima. How is it that Our Lady appears in Fatima, Portugal, and this name is there, the daughter of Mohammed? And Mohammed said, the Virgin Mary is the greatest woman who ever existed above, above his own daughter, even. And so, well, what has Guadalupe got to do with it? Well, Guadalupe is a river in Spain, and it's a Muslim name. How do we get Guadalupe in Mexico? Spanish bishops. They named the rivers for Spanish explorers. So, there's no chance. There's, there's, there's no way that could happen. So, you go to Guadalupe, you got Fatima. The first time I saw some Muslims praying in an airport years ago in Europe, I looked at them, and they were, they were praying on these beads. And it was just a straight beads, like a rosary, just not cut, like it was cut. It was just straight. And I said, wow, look at that. I thought they were, I thought they were Catholic, but I didn't see the turbans on the head. I mean, seeing the turbans on the head, I thought, you know, and then I asked somebody, and they said, no, it's Muslims. They got prayer beads like that. So they pray on these prayer beads. So you, you've got all these dynamics going on, and you got these things happening, and you got Our Lady appearing in Guadalupe, Muslim name. You got a lady appearing in Fatima, Mohammed's daughter. You got him praying on beads. You know, all these are dominoes going across and several other things. You got him saying she's the greatest woman who ever lived. So what does that say to us? Well, we have to go to June 25th. 2007. God's desire is the conversion of the entire world. Where are some of the greatest problems? Where are some of the most difficulties coming from today? And what does the lady says? She wants us to change the heart of our brother. Our lady said um, that she says, I, I want you to love your your." Your Muslim brothers, your Serbian Orthodox brothers. That's what she called them. And so we're confronted with a situation today that's easy. There's so much hatred coming to us as Christians that we don't understand the situation as it really is and what in the long haul and the overview of what Our Lady is doing and what is her plan. What is her plan? The conversion of the entire world. Muslims, the conversion. People say, well, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't mention that. Baloney. Jesus said that I call you to go to the ends of the earth. To do what? To convert everybody. Bring them Jesus. So we've got to understand that there's a desperation that man needs. Non-believers. These non-believers need Jesus. They need Our Lady. And Our Lady has a, 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 a a strong devotion, or rather there's a strong devotion to Our Lady among Muslims. They accept her. Why? Because she's in the Koran. Everything's lined up. Everything's there. And all it's going to take is a little tweaking of, the, of something, some kind of grace, something that can happen. And that little bead that pray, they just tie the ends up and they got a rosary. Everything's there. This message today, Our Lady says, Dear children, today I call you to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit and permit him to 
and to permit him to transform you. My children. That's a key word in this whole message. Why? Because Muslims look at us as dogs or looks at themselves as dogs compared to God. And we're infidels and we're blasphemous because as God's height and where he's exalted of is this great, omni, awesome, important being, the, the greatest being there is, the only God there is, we say that we're his children. How can a dog be children of God? See, you blaspheme. They, that's what they see. They see that as blasphemy. But here is our lady says, my children, God is immeasurably good, and therefore, as a mother, for us to sit there and say, Jesus is our brother, is a problem. A big, big problem. Because if we're dogs, and Jesus is God, as we claim, as Christians, and we, including the Muslims, see themselves as a dog in that way compared to God, and Jesus is God, and we say he's a brother, then he's we're blaspheming. He's a dog. We can't do that. And we're infidels for doing that. That's how that's seen. So here it is. Alay says, I'm your mother. As a mother. That's her words. Quote, today this message, as a mother. You go down further in the message. Our Lady says, God, your father. Incredible. They honor Mary. They have devotion to her. They're going to see this message in the future when something happens that sparks or tweaks their heart toward conversion. She's the mother. God's the father. And then we have our lady sitting there telling us to love all people through God. And consider them your brother and sister. That's uncharacteristic. When I saw brother and sister, that bothered me this morning because our lady's not PC. She's not politically correct. Why does she put that in there? I had to pray. Mary, show me why you put this there. Because as a mother, God is your father and your brother and your sister. The family. We're children of God. The family. This is the message for the Muslims in the future. She gives a whole structure of the family, how God is our father. Not something so harsh and so demanding and so difficult uh, to understand the relationship. She says, through this exalted love. She didn't say, through this exalted duty or through this exalted God that we are so subjected to, that we're slaves to, through this exalted love, you will sincerely come to love all people and through God consider them brothers and sisters. The Muslims are desperate for Jesus. They need that. They have honor to Our Lady. She's threading this through. This is all the threads that connect. It's there. You look at this. Through God is the immeasurably good. Therefore, as a mother, I implore you to pray, pray, pray fast and hope that it is possible to attain that good because love is born of that good. 
God. God is good. He's not a, a God that's ready to strike the earth with lightning or with fire. The Holy Spirit will enforce that good in you and you'll be able to call God your father. Who's going to call God their father? Who doesn't call God their father? Non-believers. Who are non-believers? Muslims don't believe. Yes, they believe in God. Yes, they believe in Allah. But they don't believe in God the Father. Because that would be blasphemous. They don't believe in the family of God in the way we see it as Christians. We're making a big mistake thinking that we shouldn't be trying to convert Christians. I mean, the Muslims. It's our duty. It's not an option. Where's to do that? We're to show them. They're desperate. They need that. The hatred that's in the jihadists, all these people, they need conversion. Research it. Find out where they're trained. They're trained at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. They pull out of the family. They're taught to hate. They are non-believers. They need conversion. They need love. Through this exalted love, you will sincerely come to love all people. That's for us. And in the throes of conversions, this is for the Muslims. Through this exalted love, you will sincerely come to love all people. Us. It's on both sides of the fence. We can take this message today, but this message is for the future, for the Muslims. Father, mother, brother, and sister, the family of God. They don't have that concept, but they do have the concept of the Holy Virgin Mary, the greatest woman who ever lived, who appeared in Guadalupe, a Muslim name, whose, whose apparition in Fatima, Mohammed's daughter, who prays on beads, who appears in a country in Medjugorje that Muslims are there. Muslim government, they run many things there. Muslim influence, Serbians, Orthodox, and Catholics. We've got to look at the whole picture of really what our lady's going to. We can't keep going down the path we're going to, and we can't go with this thing that, oh, well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't push Christianity. You know, where did this come from? This is not biblical. Yes, you're to witness. You're not to cram it down somebody's throat. That's true. But this is something that from the pulpit is not being spoken of. We're called to bring the light of Jesus to our Muslim brother. To bring them into the family of God. How do we do that? We need a lot of help. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to breathe on us. We need that to be our daily bread. And we need to realize that there's a desperation. You take an eight-year-old kid, you teach him to hate, you teach him and raise him his whole life is for one thing, is to kill himself and kill as many of the infidels, those who call God a dog because he's their father, Jesus is their brother, those those blasphemous, blasphemous people need to be killed. This hatred, this hatred shows how desperate these people need the light of Jesus. Our ladies come to bring that to them. 
Now, he's telling us it's going to be through the Holy Spirit. We must understand this. And the crisis and the seriousness of the state of the world is in today. They're desperate for Jesus. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me
How sad it is that we often hear of the hatred of these little children who are raised eight years old, nine years old, to hate, trained to be jihadists, to kill, not only themselves, but many, many others, as many as possible. That this hatred, we meet back with indifference and hatred. How lost and how we should weep for them, Father. How is it that Yaakov said he wouldn't wish his worst enemy to go to hell? And what are you doing about that? What's your view of that? Or we, could, we should confront it. That's not in question. We have to fight terrorism, but we have to fight for their soul too. We need to realize these people do not know the love of God. That Our Lady came to the earth today to give them a message for the future. Because she is their mother. Our Lady said, 1987, Love your Serbian, Orthodox, and Muslim brothers and the atheists who persecute you. We are given the glory of being in the Colosseum. We may get killed for it. We may have to die for it. But we don't need to be just going to Iraq and trying to stop terrorism. We need to be able to convert. To change hearts. To bring the light of God the Father. Of these little kids who never knew the love of God. Who are filled with hatred. And how is that going to happen? It's going to happen through you. Doing what our lady says. When she asks you. I call you today. To open your heart to the Holy Spirit. To permit Him to transform you. If we, the Christians, aren't transformed, how are we going to transform others? How will you change the Muslim's heart? It doesn't mean that they have to accept Our Lady is their mother, God is their father, Jesus is the brother. That didn't change anything whether they reject it. It's the truth. We know that. Why are we so timid about it? We need to be praying in a different way. We need to be praying for conversion. We need to be saying the non-believers' prayers and realize what we're up against. Coupled with amending our life and our culture, which has many sins. That gives them an impulse to do what they do. We're in a serious time. We're in a serious time of living the fullness of Christianity. We need to realize what that means to me and what this message says to me today so that this message will say something to our Muslim brothers in the future and bring them to the light of God, to the Father.
we invite you to an experience of a lifetime. Come to the five-day annual retreat, December 8th through 12th, of reconciling ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. It will not only recharge you, but change your life. America was given a beautiful gift on Thanksgiving Day, November 24, 1988. The Virgin Mary appeared in an open field, consecrating the spot by her heavenly visitation. Today, Our Lady appeared and she was very happy when she came. She announced through the Magigoria visionary, Maria Linetti, she was here to help us and she would intercede for you to God with all your intentions. Experience Our Lady. Experience Retreat. Experience Christmas. Experience a place fragranced with the Queen of the Angels herself and leave moved deep within your heart. With Our Lady appearing 26 years in Magigoria, come to a special place she's visited and designated and allow Our Lady to enlighten you in regard to God's plans to renew the face of the earth, nay, even all of creation. For more information, call Caritas of Birmingham at 205-672-2000. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. You know, there was a controversy in the beginning days of Medjugorje in 1985-84. There was a room full of Catholics and one Orthodox, and there was actually a Catholic there with a sick child, and there was an Orthodox there with a sick child. And Our Lady, they both came to, to pray for a cure, and the Orthodox was cured, and the Catholic child wasn't. And this upset the Catholics, and uh, even the priests they were troubled by this and asked about it. And Our Lady told them this in response to the confusion of the, of the Catholic priest over the cure of the Orthodox child. Our Lady said, Tell this priest, tell everyone, that it is you who are divided on earth. The Muslims and the Orthodox, for the same reasons as Catholics, are equal before my son and me. You are all my children. Certainly, all religions are not equal, but all men are equal before God. It does not suffice to belong to the Catholic Church to be saved, but it is necessary to respect the commandments of God and following one's conscience. Those who are not Catholic are no less creatures made in the image of God and destined to rejoin someday. The House of the Father Salvation is available to everyone without exception. Only those who refuse God deliberately are condemned. To him who much has been given, or rather, I'm sorry, to him who much has given little, little will be asked for. To whomever has been given much, very much will be required. 
It is God alone in his infinite justice who determines the degree of responsibility and pronounces judgment. We carry a heavy responsibility as Christians. We've been assigned to convert all non-believers with first the witness of our life, not beating people over the head with, with you're going to be this or by force, but by conviction, conviction of living holiness, conviction of living the life we're supposed to live. I dare say the view many Muslims have of us is that walking in our, our beliefs and the commandments is a weak one. So our house has to get in order first. And so we see a dual purpose message given today for me, for you, and for many Muslims in the future. How can I say that? I say that with authority. The authority that Guadalupe is the Muslim name, Fatima, the beads they pray. What our lady said in Medjugorje. What Mohammed said about the Virgin Mary. It's there. The dominoes are set. There's going to be sweeping conversion of the entire world, all Muslims, all non-believers. And first of all, who needs to be Christianized the most is us as Christians. We need to wake up and see the incredible, encompassing plan Our Lady has for all of us today. And at first, it's her own house that needs straightening up. I've got to change. I've got to become different. I've got to walk a different direction. I've got to grow in holiness. This is a, certainly a real exciting message that we're hearing tonight about conversion, um, us individually and others, um, especially speaking about the Muslims in particular. But something that uh, you wrote uh, a number of years ago, a book, or a book called Quietism, uh, so there was something in there that I was reading that struck me in a very strong, profound way in light of this message. And you were just mentioning earlier about God wants to have this relationship with us and that we are dying to have this relationship with God, and in particular the Muslims as the example. And I was just going to read real briefly something that you had written uh, that's very applicable to the message that we're hearing tonight. And you start off with the message of June 25th, 1997, where you say, When true friendship with, with God is realized, no storm can destroy it. That was quoting Our Lady. And then you begin by saying, Once we begin a true friendship with God, we are ready to stand for Him. In His name, devoid of quietism, the question then arises, So what can I do? I'm just one person. I'm nobody. True, we are all nobodies. To top it off, we are sinners, weak men, with weak faith. We here in the community are the first to profess this, but God is somebody and we are his children, and Mary is somebody and she is our mother, and Christ is somebody and we are his brothers. Though we are nothing, we are in the family of God. We therefore must live like it. Now after establishing who we are, we ask the question, what can I do? I'm just one person. But now because I'm somebody, because I belong to a family who is somebody, and then you go on to say it was just one person that removed prayer that was adopted into Satan's family that removed prayer from school. It was one person that got the Ten Commandments removed out of the Re Alabama Capitol Rotunda. 
It was one person whose name was used to start worldwide abortions on a legal basis. And then you go on to say, but there's bigger people. Like you bring up the example of uh, Teresa, Mother Teresa. And, and you, then you go on to say, we do not have to be known to change the world. We have to be Christian and put forth every action to Christianize what is not Christian. And that was a very powerful words that struck me earlier when I was reading that in light of this message and uh, a writing from uh, about two years ago where you spoke about the um, the Ukrainians, how they saved their nation, uh, and it started with a spiritual revival. You said that the people had to get over this psychology of non-involvement. And, and maybe you want to speak a little bit about that in light of this message. I think I, I remember sometimes I remember different things I pinned that, that really felt the fire of the Holy Spirit inspire me what I said. And, and this came up. I remember where I was when I even wrote this. And uh, it so often does when you when you really feel the impulse of God enlighten you about something. And and we are that we're, we're, we're nobody. We're nothing. You know, that's the first thing we got to look. But but what makes us somebody is because we are in the family of God. But that also gives us a great responsibility to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, so what kind of judgments were some of these people who's indoctrinated, you know, to kill when they didn't even have a conscious, properly formed conscious? We don't know. We don't know what the judgment would be. It's a heinous act. That's not justified. It's wrong, you know, and we need to take whatever action is to stop that. That's not in question. I'm for that. And all Christians should be for that. At the same time, we still can't make judgment on how a God deemed that when you take a, a four-year-old indoctrinated and train him physically when he's eight years old and go on. We don't know. So what is our view? Is Our view is to, to not be complacent, not to do nothing. You know, if a soldier's listening to this tonight in Iraq or tomorrow when this can be streamed, then you should be trying to figure out how you can evangelize. You need to bring the light of Jesus to those people. You know, I, this is the open door to the Middle East. First time we can bring the Bible in a place and, and do something. And as a Christian, and most and many of our soldiers there are Christian, they've got a responsibility. Because Jesus gave them a command to do that. Go to the ends of the earth. People can criticize Christopher Columbus. They can condemn him. They say he came here for this. Christopher Columbus had in his diary that he felt the impulse by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring Jesus the light. When the Pope was recently, a few months ago, or actually I think it was last September, uh, in South America, they demanded that he apologize for changing indigenous people. The people of the land. And he said, I will not do that. Because our coming was them crying out to God. They needed Jesus. You got a lot of political correct things saying, oh, well, this and this group of people and this, you know, I want to want to let people go back to the pagan ways. We brought with it for for who did not write or, or failed in their right. We still brought the light of Christ to this land. And there should be a gratefulness in the indigenous people that they have Christ. And those who haven't accepted that, we don't have to apologize for that. Because we are called for that. And we are somebody that has authority because God's our father. He's their father, yes. They may not accept that. 
But we don't have a choice in that. And we've moved into a, a position that we're letting, you know, people who don't believe, atheists and all of them take precedent over us. They've got the right to spread what they do, but not what we believe. So they have, they, they take precedent in our society. They take the, the guiding, uh, they take the steering wheel. And it's, it's, it's insanity. We don't have to accept any rights of an atheist to prevail in our institutions, our schools, our job forces, our companies, nothing. They have no right as an atheist in that sense to spread atheism. They have a right to be an atheist. And we are commanded as Christians and as citizens of this country to defend that right for them to have that. But they don't have a right to spread that. We have a right to spread Christianity because this, this nation is built on Christian principles. This country serves in our law as its basis the principles of Christ, not atheist. The atheist is going to fare much better underneath Christian government and Christian law, by Christian, or laws based in Christianity and the principles of Christ than he would underneath an atheist-based law. And they all knew that up to for the first 125 years. Nobody even dared, even atheists wouldn't dare challenge that. We'll get into some of that when we do a five-part series on Look What Happened While You're Sleeping. We'll cover that ground. But in regards to your question, we, we can't sit complacent. And there's any time we need to evangelize, it's right now. And we didn't evangelize now because, not because we, or we want to spread our faith or we want to have some, increase our numbers. We don't have a choice. The best way to evangelize is change yourself first. Remember Paul when he was blinded, converted. Jesus said, he heard a voice. Why do you persecute me? He converted. But you know what he did for the next eight years? Nothing. Nothing but learn how to be a Christian. And possibly 11 years according to the scriptures. Why? Because Paul didn't know how to be, he didn't know how, what it meant to be a Christian. He had a reborn experience, but he had to learn what it was to be Christian, what it was to live that Christianity. So yes, our first step is to learn the message, to reconvert, to, to see what is the authentic Christ that needs to be in us. Not one that we want in a human way or to fit our needs and to fit what we want, but what is the true Christ? And our lady said that today. She said right at the end of her message, or right after the message, while our lady was blessing, she said, on the way of which I lead you to my son. There it is. You got the father, the mother, the brother, the sister, and now she even puts in it, my son. Who is my? Referring to, I is the Virgin Mary. The Muslims honor her. Those who represent him Walk beside me. We're the representatives of Christ. So we got to really live that way of Christ. And if we don't do that, then we fail Christ. And so all these things have to be asked of us. Why are we in the state we're in? Why is, why is, why can't a plane, why God's watching fly for an hour knowing what was going to happen and then another plane? Another, except God withdraws 
And when does God withdraw? When his people insist on their way of doing his will, insist on sin, insist on error. We drive the angels away. The angels can't be where God doesn't want them to be. And we lost our protection. What if Our Lady hadn't appeared in 1981? We know Our Lady, had she not come and appeared to these visionaries, she revealed that the world would have destroyed itself. Why is the Holy Virgin coming? Read sacred scriptures, live it and pray to understand the signs of the time. At 640, June 24th, 1981, the world was on a downhill slide toward evil and darkness and hate that that changed in one moment toward the good. Has anything been said about Christians? There's many Christians in the world. But also she gave a message that said there's many Christians living as the pagans. They live pagan Christianity. With 26 years of daily apparitions, do we know if there is some kind of plan? It's her words saying, I want to use you in a great plan. You must pray to understand what your role is in that plan. And it's for the salvation of the world. How will it happen? Because you are the chosen ones in the time of grace, walking with her, who are going to instruct the others after the time of grace. When Our Lady came June 24, 1981, it was at that point that God had decided to bring us ten secrets, three admonitions, and it's going to happen. They will happen. Do not put off drawing closer to God now in the time of divine mercy. Find out more about the most extraordinary plans in 2,000 years of Christian history. Sign up for the Medj list free and be kept informed of the most important event in your life, your children's and your grandchildren's, and all your posterity to the end of the world. See MEJ.com and click on Medj list free. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. I was um, just reflecting because uh, last night before I went went home, I grabbed a book to read before going to bed, and it happened to be on um, Catholic prophecy. It kind of uh, it was a book written in 1970, but the author had spent most of his life gathering different prophecies that um, saints and popes and uh, different revelations that had come to to them, and um, it really struck me that uh, many of the saints had visions of the 20th century as they put in this book, and uh, about the time of Our Lady, and about the fact that of the Muslims' uh, conversion to Christianity. So I bring this book with me this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning when we got our call from Medjugorje saying that the message had just come from Our Lady. And there's times that, uh, you know, we're, we're working and then there's some some uh, time that we're waiting. And I brought this book to uh, kind of keep reading during those periods of time 
of waiting uh, for you writing or whatever uh, the holdups may be. And um, here, the very topic of our discussion tonight is everything that I read in this book. And um, I find that really not such a coincidence as often Our Lady, as she said, bring this message up many times that God speaks to us in many ways through man and nature and, and many things. Um, but as you've been speaking, I've had just a lot of images of, um, you know, the, the Muslims and the first time in, in Iraq where they got to vote and their purple thumbs that they would show in their pictures and um, and the joy and jubilation that we all felt at them discovering this path of freedom and, um, you know, the struggles that they're enduring now, but where it's leading them and... Um, that it's truly an exciting thing to contemplate. It's it does bring joy to think of um, the good that's coming to them in the future, and that um, you know we do tend to um, think about so often those what the bad thing that is coming. You know the pain and the suffering and the those chastisements that await us. But on the other side of that is the conversion, the massive conversions that are going to take place. And I remember a story that you had told often in uh, when Maria came to visit you in your home uh, back in 1988. And everybody had gone to bed at night, and um, it was just you and Maria up, and you always look for those opportunities to kind of take advantage of um, that quiet time and get a little bit more information if you can squeeze it out of them um, about the chastisements and you had a discussion with Maria um, you know tell me a little bit more about the secrets now that there's nobody else around to hear and <laughs> um, she entered that conversation with you by saying you know there's not going to be any chastisements but maybe you'd like to retell that story and and the reflection of, of um, you know, again, when you look at a negative, Our Lady says, see it from a positive. And I think, you know, that's kind of what the message today is saying. Well, Maria was, was saying there won't be any chastisements. And I said, well, see, this is some of the controversy in Medjugorje. Mariana says there will be, and you said there won't be. She says there won't be. I said, how can you say that? And she said, um, well, it's, it's not going to be that way. And so she went on to explain how some people are storing food and they're doing this and how wrong all this is that, that uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be preparing for that or thinking in, in that term. But anyway, through the course of our conversation and going through covering a lot of ground in our and and uh, her explaining her position, I began to understand what she meant. And for somebody like Padre Pio, who suffered the wounds of Christ, uh he was in pain. He suffered. If you're a non-believer, you don't believe in God, you're an atheist, and you have a car wreck or in a car wreck, and you suffer pains, you're suffering pain in a, in a pure form of just pain. There's nowhere else you can go. You just have pain. What, what are you going to turn to? You don't believe in God, so you don't turn to Him. You don't offer it to nothing. You don't sacrifice. To you, it's just useless. It's, it's, it's purely... Uh, something of, of a of a chastisement. And so Maria, after explaining it, I understood what she was saying, that Padre Pio 
didn't run around and say, oh, look at my hands, look at my feet, I'm chastised. You know, he accepted the suffering because of what? The same principles of what Christ showed us. That he was suffering for a purpose. His suffering was for the conversion of sinners. And for winning graces for other people. He never looked at it, he was chastised. And that really was a revelation for me, I mean, late that night, that that however we suffer, when we suffer, whatever we're going to be suffering for, whatever comes in the admonitions, is there's a purpose to that. But if you don't, if you're a non-believer, it's going to be chastisement. It's suffering for the sake of suffering. For God, it's purpose, and it won't be a chastisement to me. No more than Padre Pio could run around saying, I'm being chastised. You know, he, he valued Second Peter, I think it's Second Peter, says, Take joy when you've been given suffering because you've been given a measure of mine. So that's the understanding. It's, it's the perspective of it. But also in this book you were talking about, that um, a future prophecy, there is a lot, and maybe we'll get into it in our Look What Happened While You're Sleeping series, of, of uh, which I think is going to be a very exciting series. I think you should tell all, all your friends to tune in because it's going to be one night after another and building on on a, a whole segment of things in our latest messages and ways and people that aren't even connected to our latest messages. But in there, the we may elaborate a little bit more on the secrets and things that we've learned through the years and our understanding our perspective on it. Because um, it's not going the warning is not going to be something so, oh, okay, it's warned. The warning is, is going to be something that you would prefer death just before the warning, even though the warning is not going to kill you or anything like that. Uh, it's going to be that severe. But that's just to give you a little bit of insight. I won't go into that again. We'll wait for this, the, the five-part series. But I think we need to understand that we are in a, uh, a situation where sometimes one visionary says one thing, one says the other. And we see the same thing about in the scriptures, one, one of the, the gospel writers says one thing, but his perspective is another. You can have four people on a street corner, each standing on a corner, and a plane crash right into a car in the middle of it, and all of them are going to give you a different stories. And even some will say, no, that's not what happened. We've seen this in, because of the message, and that's dealing with, with, with language. And then human language is expressed and understood in the way you're educated, you're your cultural, your way you were raised in your family, all these perspectives are different. So we have some differences in the way the visionaries express the same thing. But Maria says it's not going to be a chastisement, and Mariana was saying that the secrets are going to be, you know, horrible. So that hopefully explains a little bit of that. But I realize, I mean, I think we realize too that we're a world that has broken the heart of God. Um, the fact that something should have already happened. The fact that Our Lady revealed that the world would have destroyed itself had she not come is God, God, he's running after us. I mean, here it is, this God, he, he's chasing us. And and uh, we've left him. We've hurt him. We've offended him. We've repeatedly turned away from him saying, oh yeah, we'll do your will. I heard a, a preacher talking today, and he had a little snippet that came on for like 60 seconds. And and he says, okay, uh, God, I'll flip this coin. Heads or tails if I'm going to go feed the hungry like I promised you, or I would 
I would uh, go go to the football game since I got these two tickets. Then he says, "Okay, this time if it's tails, I'll I'll go I'll I'll go and feed the people and and uh, instead of using these tickets." And he went on like three or four different times. He kept flipping this and then, "Okay, God, you show me this if this is going to happen." Anyway, the the, the storyline was is that everybody's willing to do the will of God if as long as it goes with their will. And if it don't, they're going, well, let me do this again. Okay, you show me this, God. And so we're guilty of this. We're guilty of doing the will of God as long as it's our will. You know, and when it's not our will, it doesn't serve our purpose. And so we're all guilty of this. And yet here it is, God's running after us, after he so often broke his heart and, and taken us as his son. The sons of all non-believers, all non-believers, sons of God, God the Father. We need his forgiveness.
Benedict said, one tear, just one tear, that we could cry. One tear of repentance would change all of society. And we don't do that. There's not even a tear for God to wipe from our face. We need to not look at everything else, but ourself first, and then correct everything else. Everybody says, God's so far away. So much is happening. Our Lady said on September 25th, 1999, Dear children, today again, I call you to become carriers of my peace in a special way now when it has been said that God is far away. He has never, or rather, he has truly never been nearer to you. God runs to you. He wants to wipe the tear from your face. But we have to have that tear of repentance. Just one tear. I call you to renew prayer in your families by reading the sacred scriptures and to experience the joy in meeting with God who infinitely loves his creatures. How is it that so much hatred can bring people to kill themselves? In the name of a God who's so exalted, so far away, that there's no understanding of his love. This message today is a call, a strong call, Of the family of God. Mother, father, brother, sister, son. It's incredible. These messages are are so genius. They always amaze me. That if you do what she says, you must pray to comprehend the message. People read them and they say, oh, it's the same thing as I said earlier in the program. It's not. They're timeless 
These masses will be used on the last day and the last time of the earth. It'll be actively bringing people to the light of God. So it's important that we don't pass these moments in this time in such a superficial way that we just say, we read our curiosity and we go on about our business. This, this should be your whole business for the next few days. Look at this message. Yesterday we started our nine-day fast. We have people joining us from all across the United States and some from other countries. We're serious about our Christian walk. We want to do this. Are we crazy for wanting to eat bread and water for nine days? If you haven't heard the fasting two-hour show, stream it. Listen to it. It's not too late to join us if you want to. We're in serious times. And sometimes a message such as day looks not so serious until you really enter into it with prayer. And let it unfold to you what it's really saying. It's beautiful. I tell you, there will be Muslims in the future who will see this message and read it and grasp and understand and convert. It's going to happen because Our Lady said it's God's desire to convert the entire world. Do you want to participate in that? Do you want to be part of that glorious plan? It's your decision. The invitation's there. Thank you for responding to my call. It's all up to you. Caritas views the pilgrimages we offer as one of our most important ministries. Those of you who have traveled with us over the past 22 years know that our experience gives you the best environment to allow you to experience the true Magigoria. Our first and primary concern is for you to return home with a wonderful encounter with Our Lady, who will lead you to an encounter with God. There are many paths to choose in going to Magigoria. Our prayer with God's grace, is to direct you on the best path in your quest for a beautiful pilgrimage. Many have told us that our pilgrimages have been the best retreat of their lives. This is our prayer and desire for all who accompany us. My experience here has been profound, and I can't put it into words. It's like a prayer boot camp. Caritas has truly put their hearts into this trip, and it's made all the difference in the world. For the most profound experience of your life, call Caritas at 205-672-2000, extension 218. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. The uh, the title of the um, the 
Medge article today, you said, Our Lady seeks you to be Jesus' representative. And it was referring to that last statement in the message when Our Lady was blessing. And she said, On the way in which I lead you to my Son, those who represent Him walk beside me. And I also um, took that when I first read it um, in that same way that all of us who are are trying to live the message and are answering our lady's call is a representative of Christ, and we're walking with her in this path. But um, I also uh, wonder if our lady's referring again in this second of the month apparition to priests, in which she uh, priests are the representative of Christ, the, the visual representative of Christ in the church, and that almost as if she again is inviting priests to walk this way with her, encouraging them to have belief in the apparitions and, and walking this path with her. I don't know if you had that that thought when you read the message at all. Well, as I've always said, these messages always are multi-purposed, that they speak in different ways to different people about different things. And, and of course, there is a pattern of Our Lady adding something about priests for the last several months. And, and uh, there's no question Our Lady said once that uh, pray for the um, visit, I don't know if the word was visit, but pray for the visit of my son in your home country. And uh, it, it, was, it was a dual message. Of course, Jesus she wants in your country, but also it was about John Paul and because uh, she referred to him. And so, it, 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 yeah, this is, if you're a priest, this is for you. But also, we need to realize this is the first time in the history of the church that we have something that's a break from the the, the path of heaven, and that the church before was, was renewed through orders or through a priest or through something like that. This is the first time in the history of the church the church and the world is going to be renewed through the laity. This is a lay-led movement. John Paul said several years ago. That um, the laity is and lay communities are the ones that's going to renew the church. And he added to that, he says the Jesuits and the Franciscans and some other orders they can help. So and that's not to put us over that. It's just the nature. If you look at this, what what is the movement? Where, where will the people come from except through the laity? You're not a born a priest. You're born a lay person. Then you come into the priesthood. So this renewal, this ref, this refreshing thing our lady brings to, for a springtime, a new springtime, she says, is is a lay-led movement. That's why you're sitting here, I'm sitting here, Ray's sitting here, and many other people out there across the world and other countries listen to this, uh, are so active. We have an impulse. We, we, we want to get this out. And... Um, and it certainly applies to a priest walking with the lady, but just as much to that also to to laity. And um, you know, we need stronger pulpits. We need the priests. We need to be encouragement. Speak strong. We want strong words. Somebody sent us uh, uh, something today or yesterday a message that uh, we're not getting this in the church. And it's true, we're not getting it. Two years ago, uh, the Holy Father had uh, a bishop read that um, 
for priests to start being stronger in their homilies, to give people food, that you're exercising half your priestly ministry through the Eucharist, but you're not giving the other food in the sermon. We, we want to be told what sin is. We want to hear that. We want to be st- standing on the pulpit and said, I just gave you Jesus in the Eucharist. You're walking out the door. You know, as one priest once said, what he would do is he'd had the ushers. Uh, he says, today, anybody that leaves church early after they receive the Eucharist, we're going to have an usher precede you to your car holding a candle. Do that. You know, let's get strong. Not just boisterous, but let's make the reality of the presence of Jesus real. You know, we need priests standing up in that pulpit, and we need them giving food, solid food. We don't need to stay where Paul said, I want to give you solid food. I have to give you his baby milk because it's choke you. People now are ready to accept it. They want it. The laity are hungry. The stronger the priest, the stronger he says what sin is, the stronger he'll say what hell is, the stronger he'll teach about heaven, the more he'll become listened to instead of people looking at the watch. And so we need this fire. And and you see some of the ones most on fire are Medjugorje priests, those who went there, converted, and then became uh uh, it got into seminaries and made the vocation. They're some of the strongest priests in the church. And so, yes, it's easy to stand on the pulpit and be strong in Medjugorje, but you have to bring that fire back. And will you be popular uh, with some of your fellow priests? Maybe not. Will you Will you catch persecution? You better believe it. If you're going to be speaking truth, you're going to catch it. Believe us, we can tell you about that. <laughs> but we need to remember, too, that you know we're in chains, the chains of sin. Uh, it, it can make us helpless. And we've all broken from that. Everybody's had a Medjugorje conversion is broken from chains and things that bonded us, things we, habits we had fallen into. And again, going back to all of us, we need to realize how, uh, you know, remember the prison that held us. You know, before the God, the God of love broke through that. That's what we're talking about the Muslims. The love of God needs to break. This needs to free these people from the chains that imprisons them. The hatred, which leads nowhere but death. And this is the very strong thing that has to be understood in the church today. What he was thinking As he stared out the window through the sky It seemed he was taking His last look at freedom from the hopeless longing look in his eyes There were chains on his hands And chains on his feet And as I passed him by The thought came to me Remember your chains Remember the prison that once held you Before the love of God broke through Remember the place You were without grace When you see where you are now Remember your chains Remember your chair 
no one more faithful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. No heart loves greater than the one that is able to recall the time when all it knew was shame. The wings of forgiveness can take us to heights never seen. But the wisest ones, oh, they will never lose sight. Where they were set free, they'll set them free. So remember your chains, remember the prison that once held you before the love of God rose through. Remember the place you were without grace when you see where. We got to realize that there's many people in the world today who needs their chains removed, and we're the the person in their position to have the keys that unlock that. And it's through our witness, and it's through our conviction, and it's through our not being complacent, practicing quietism. 
Uh, I know our last show, I think we talked about quietism and, and uh, getting this booklet, and it's a good place to start off uh, with helping yourself grow stronger. Um, yeah, certainly. that The booklet Quietism is available in uh, the MedgeMart. If you go to medge.com, that's mej.com, uh, on the left-hand menu, you will see uh, MedgeMart there, and uh, there's a link there that says click here to enter the MedgeMart, and it's underneath the booklets by a friend of Medjugorje, and that name of that booklet, again, is Quietism. And this broadcast will be available tomorrow. It will be available for download first thing tomorrow morning, and it will be available for streaming um, it's usually by mid-morning or so, but we encourage you to spread this to everyone you know. Spread this broadcast. Uh, we're hearing from people from the U.K., uh, United Arab Emirates. From uh, We just had some a lady from Japan just send us a letter saying that you don't know what this means to me. So you, we encourage you to get out of the psychology of non-involvement and to get into the psychology of involvement of bringing others uh, to, or bringing Our Lady to others, bringing others to Our Lady. And so one way of doing that is by spreading this broadcast. And then also, again, mark your calendars for November 12th through the 16th. That's a Monday through a Friday. Uh, and that program will begin at 7 p.m. each night, 7 p.m. Central Time each night. And that's the Look What Happened While You Were Sleeping series. There will be special guests along with a friend of Medjugorje, uh, to discuss uh, the writing and everything that's contained and look what happened while you were sleeping. And uh, now that we just have a few minutes left, I think a friend of Medjugorje had a few words to say. Well, I'd really like to end our program uh, and reread the message. I think it's an important message to see into it, that it speaks to us, and yet uh, look at it from the angle of the future and what's going to happen in the world and what our lady's setting up again from Guadalupe to Medjugorje. Dear children, today I call you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and to permit him to transform you. My children, God is the measurable good, and therefore, as a mother, I implore you to pray, 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 fast and hope that it is possible to attain that good, because love is born of that good. The Holy Spirit will enforce the good in you, and you will be able to call God your Father. Through this exalted love, you will sincerely come to love all people, and through God, consider them brothers and sisters. Thank you. So the Holy Spirit will enforce the good, and you and you'll be able to call God your Father, because so many people can't do that today, especially as we discussed on the program. The Muslims, they view, they actually worship the same God we do. They have the same Ten Commandments we do. They're one of the three monolithic religions. We have a lot that uh, are comparable things. But one thing we don't have is God is a father, and they don't have that understanding. And Our Lady says, the Holy Spirit will reinforce the good, and you will be able to call God your father. An incredible message for the future. And we should not be complacent nor timid about bringing the light of Jesus to these people through love. So we have um, this second of the month today, a great grace. We will, again, be talking to you again when we get ready to broadcast for Look What Happened While You're Sleeping. And we wish tonight that you would, if you haven't joined or fast, you're thinking about it, you could look up on Medge about it, a little bit about it and prepare for that. And again, we uh, are working with hotels to post them for Maria's visit here at Caritas next July 1st to the 5th. You'll want to get here on the 30th, the day before. Start planning for that. You want to book your hotels now. And uh, again, you can read about that on Medge and go from there. 
We'd like to wish to you tonight, Our Lady. We want you to know that we will be praying for you. We love you and we ask that you pray for our mission and help us to fulfill all that God is asking of us. And we will do the same for you. We want to say goodbye to our community in Medjugorje tonight. God bless you.